the hill of Calvary, the light of all the world, with the world on its shoulders, the weight of all our shame on him who knew no sin, the holy surrender, the sky went
Good afternoon, church. Will you stand as we begin worship this afternoon?
Grab a name of our neighbor and wish him a uh, happy afternoon. Well, good afternoon again. It is great to be here today together. Um, I have up here with me our team that we are sending to Charlotte, North Carolina to be a part of the Operation Christmas Child Processing Center. So they're actually going to fly down to Charlotte early next Sunday morning and work for that entire week before returning home. And so we just wanted to take a moment during the service this morning to, to just recognize them, to uh, just prayerfully commission them off as they go. And I also have a quick question. So Operation Christmas Child Shoebox, who packed a box this year? Let's see some hands. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for participating in that. And so really this team gets to be a part of the next stage in the process that these shoeboxes go through. And if you picture like an old Sam's Club warehouse with cartons of these boxes stacked to the roof and thousands upon thousands of the cartons. Uh, that's where they're going to open up each and every box to go through it, to sort it, to just make sure that it's filled with appropriate items that are going to be then sent to kids in need around the world in the name of Jesus. So it's just a really, really cool project, and we're just very thankful for the, the time and the, the energy that this team is giving up as they go to serve and just you know work together and process thousands of these boxes. It's, uh, it's a neat opportunity. And so uh, let's just take a moment this morning, this afternoon, to pray for them. Heavenly Father, we uh, come before you today, and we are just grateful for the opportunities that you give us to serve you. And God, this uh, chance that this team has to go down to Charlotte is another one of those opportunities. And it's neat, uh, just the chance that they have to be a part of just such a global project as they go and process shoeboxes. And so, Lord, on the one hand, it can be a little bit of monotonous work where you're, uh, you're working and just processing box after box. But, Lord, as we have talked about, each and every one of these boxes does represent one child who is going to receive it. And so, Lord, we just pray that uh, as these gifts are given, that they really would be received uh, in, in the heart and the spirit of Christmas and you being at the center of that. Uh, Lord, that they would just receive these gifts and just experience the hope and the joy that is found only in you. And Lord, as we send this team off, we do pray that they would have safety as they travel and just unity as a team as they work together, just knit their hearts together uh, as they work and serve together uh, to bring glory to your name in the midst of this Operation Christmas Child project. And so we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Just as a way to show our, our support and encouragement to this team, can we give them a hand? Great. Well, and as you came in today, hopefully you got one of these little cards on your chairs. And this is just a really simple way that you can uh, remember our upcoming Christmas series called Hope is Here. And the series, like I said, starts next week. It'll run through Christmas and then leads into our Christmas services, which is, are going to be on December 23rd and 24th this year. So all that information is on the back of the card. 
This is beneficial for you to remember personally, and then also if you want to get any more of these and pass them out to family, friends, coworkers, it's just a really simple way to hand it off to a friend and say, hey, why don't you come join us uh, at Hopevale as we uh, enter into this Christmas season. If you want to pick up any more of these, they're at any of the ministry desks in the lobby, and so we would invite you to do that there. As we continue on in worship this morning, we're going to uh, give through our offering, so I'd like to invite the ushers to come forward, and let's just go to the Lord again in prayer. God, again, we thank you. We are, we're just grateful for this opportunity to be together in this place to lift up and worship your name, God, because you are worthy of our praise. And Lord, we are grateful for the many ways that you have given us to serve you here on this earth. And so God, whether it's our, our time, our talents, or our treasure, Lord, we just come to this moment recognizing that we are stewards of all of these gifts that you have given to us. And so Lord, as a body, we just give back a portion of that to you as you call us to do in joyful obedience. And God, it really is our heart that you would take and use these resources to further your kingdom here on this earth. God, that is what uh, our heart's desire is. That's, that's why we're here to, to be a part of your mission here on this earth. So God, again, thank you for the opportunity that you have given us to do that. And so would you just take and use these things for your glory. Lord, we give the rest of this service to you and pray all this in Jesus' name.
sing a song like that of giving our all to Jesus because it's our response to the one who gave his all for us. And that's what communion is. Every month here at Hopewell, we celebrate communion together in response to the commands of Jesus to remember his death on our behalf. And when you look in the Bible, um, communion has a me aspect to it and a we aspect to it, right? And the, the me aspect has to do with our relationship with the Lord and celebrating that and remembering that Jesus' death on the cross for us means our forgiveness, and it is phenomenal. But the we aspect is a reminder, too, that because of Jesus' death and his forgiveness and the gift of eternal life is that we together— as believers, are brought into God's forever family. We're called brothers and sisters in Christ. Right? The Spirit himself, do you remember this from the series, Romans eight sixteen, testifies to our spirit that we are God's children. And that is who we are, children of the living God, because of the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And I've been thinking a lot about the we part of that and what that means for us as a church. Because now more than ever, and we need the unity that the Holy Spirit can bring to us. You probably notice out there, out in the world, these last couple weeks, ever since the election, there's been a lot of division. There's been fear. There's been hatred. There's been name-calling. There have been lines drawn. We're being forced to choose sides, right? All on the basis of how we voted or who we voted for or what our stance on this is or whatever. And yet we come in to church and we get a different perspective. And I thought of this passage, which really flows out of this series so well, in Galatians chapter 3. And the Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 3, go ahead and put it up there. So in Christ Jesus, you are all God's children. Uh, you're all children of God through faith. Right? That's how we access the grace of Jesus by full faith and trust, wholeheartedly. For all of you who are baptized, not talking about the literal water act of baptism, but the spiritual act where we are placed into the body of Christ, into Christ, you have clothed yourselves with Christ, right? We have his righteousness, we are forgiven. Now look at this, verse 28. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to Christians in the first century in a region Called, a, called Galatia, a region of Asia, but you know these words could be for us 20 centuries later. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So imagine Paul speaking to Christians who are part of a church. They're, they're worshiping Jesus together, and yet they're all very different. They're different in their... Uh, racial and ethnic background, Jew or Gentile. 
They're different in their societal status and how much or how little they own, slave or free. And they're different just gender, male, female. And he looks at them and he says, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female. And, and people get this wrong because what Paul's saying, he's, he's not saying that once you become a Christian, you, you, you lose whatever background you were raised with or your, your ethnic identity. He doesn't say that all of a sudden you're going to have a completely different societal status and a completely different job and a completely different bank account. And he doesn't say that you're somehow going to be different gender-wise or anything like that. He, no, he... All he's saying is that's no longer the thing that defines you. That's no longer the thing that creates groups and division. He says, be who you are. Celebrate the diversity. But because of Jesus, you are all one, right? And I think that message holds for us today as well. There's neither Democrat nor Republican nor Libertarian nor Independent or whatever. This may shock you. But there are like-hearted, same-minded believers in Jesus Christ sitting in this room right now who voted different than you. Yeah, right? Maybe see politics a little different. And, and if you're out there, everything you've read, everything you've seen, every time you open up Facebook and people are shouting and screaming and they're saying, either you're on this side or this side or whatever. And Jesus said, no, that, well, that's not the side that matters, Right? And what Paul says here, it's not that these things are unimportant, they're just not most important. And so we come here, we're reminded that we are one in Christ. And my thought is, you know, if we can't get the unity thing right in here, then we have no message to take out there of a Savior who deeply loves and forgives and welcomes and gives hope and life. And so my prayer is that all throughout this worship service, including this time of communion, that God, through his Holy Spirit, will give us perspective. And as agitating and confusing and dividing as it is out there, we come together as one in worship here. And so communion, that hope, El, is for everyone who knows Jesus Christ as Savior. You've accepted the gift of his forgiveness earned on the cross through his death and said, yes, Jesus, I need that. That's mine, right? And so whether Hopevale is your church home or not, we invite you to participate. But maybe you don't know Jesus that way, with a group this size that could be, that you maybe know of Jesus, but you don't know Jesus personally. That's the case, I'd say a couple things. First of all, we'd ask you not to participate, not to single you out, but just to really give reverence and respect to what we're doing here, Right? I mean, if you went through the motions, but you don't really believe what you're doing, then it's really just a sham, right? And it's not only respectful to what we're trying to do and to God himself, but it's disrespectful to yourself, right? And so we don't want to put anyone in that position. On the other hand, maybe through the songs we're singing, through reflecting on who Jesus is and the forgiveness he wants to offer, maybe this is the time in your life You go from recognizing that Jesus is not just a Savior, he's not just the Savior, but that he is your Savior. And there have been men and women, boys and girls through the years, who at a moment like this have come to recognize their need for a Savior and for Jesus to be that Savior for them now and forever. Maybe that's your move 
today asking Jesus to be your Savior so that you can know his forgiveness and the gift of eternal life. For those of us who do know Jesus in a personal way like that, let the Holy Spirit search your heart and bring up those areas in your life that you just need to come clean with, with the Lord, and just have that relationship and fellowship restored because of the grace and forgiveness of Jesus. And so with that in mind, I'm going to ask that the servers come forward, and we're going to pray as we enter this time of communion and prepare for the bread, the reminder of our Lord's broken body. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you that you gifted 2,000 years ago to your church this act of communion. This act that helps us get our heads on straight and gets our hearts in a right place. That whatever else is going on around us, that whatever people are shouting and screaming about, your still small voice speaks to us and testifies to our spirit that we are your children and that this is the most important thing about who we are. God, thank you for this church. Thank you that we're not clones. Thank you that everyone's unique and different. And yet, the one thing we have in common is not how we voted. It's not race. It's not gender. Our common bond is Jesus Christ. And for that, we're grateful. And so may we, in our diversity, celebrate the unity that we have by your Spirit. And now as we take the bread, we're reminded of so great a sacrifice, Jesus, on our behalf, your body on the cross, our sins upon you, so that we might know and experience forgiveness. It is so great, Lord, and we just are humbled and grateful and pray that we may worship through this time together in the name of Jesus. Amen.
on the night that Jesus was betrayed before his crucifixion. He was gathered with his disciples in the upper room. They observed the Passover meal together. As part of that meal, Jesus took bread. He gave thanks to his father. He broke it. And then he said to his disciples, he says to us, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's partake together. And as we continue to worship, let's pray for the cup, the reminder of Jesus' shed blood for us. And yes, Lord, we acknowledge that blood being shed is such a gruesome and graphic image. And yet we realize that is the cost of sin. Jesus' life in our place, right? And yet our sins upon him. And it is not only through this sacrifice, but through his substitution that we can know forgiveness. We can know freedom and celebrate that. Thank you, Jesus, that through your Holy Spirit in us, we know that we are yours now and forever. And so renew our hope, our life in the Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
what we're celebrating his love ran red our sins washed white the same way jesus took the cup and gave thanks and said this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me let's pray together lord thank you for this reminder Thank you for this perspective, and thank you that your presence with us, Holy Spirit, takes a physical act and makes it spiritual. And the real presence of Jesus is with us, strengthening our hearts, encouraging us, reminding us who we are in you, Jesus. And now, Holy Spirit, we would ask that you would just open our eyes, open our ears to the message you have for us today through Pastor Ken. Thank you so much that week by week we have been learning more, and not just in a head sense, but in a sense to really live out our faith and our love for you. And so, God, use that message that you have for us today as well to do that in our lives for your glory, for the good of others, and for our own joy in the Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, good afternoon. Isn't it good to be here? Yeah, we've already just enjoyed and sensed the Lord's presence together as we've been able to 
share communion together, and then see the mission of the Lord through our Operation Christmas Child team going to North Carolina. And so I, I hope you've been blessed already uh, during our time together, and I, I pray you'll be blessed uh, through the, the rest of our service as well as we talk more about the Holy Spirit. Well, welcome to winter also. Isn't this crazy? So Friday afternoon, Renee and I were out in the backyard doing a little last fall cleanup, picking up some leaves, doing some different things. I had shorts on and a t-shirt and, you know, our neighbor's leaves were blowing over and I was like, love your neighbor as yourself. And, you know, their leaves are coming in my yard and, and, but it just a beautiful, beautiful day. And then Saturday, the bottom just drops out, doesn't it? Isn't this like classic Michigan? These are the kinds of things that people say about Michigan and doggone it, it's true, isn't it? It's true. Well, I I hope you're enjoying and have been growing through our study of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I have been. I've really enjoyed this series. And uh, we get excited as a pastoral staff, as an elder board, and we hear you uh, talking about your discussions and your community groups and uh, using some resources like Right Now Media and other resources to deepen your walk, your understanding of the Holy Spirit. That's awesome stuff. And so last week, uh, Hope Failer gave me a poem that he had written about the Holy Spirit. And I want to share it with you. So here it is. We know God the Father and God the Son. The Holy Spirit, who is this one? A force, a power, an entity? No, the Holy Spirit is not one of these. The Holy Spirit is God unseen with the Father and the Son, the Trinity, In the Bible, the Holy Spirit is He. He has a form that we cannot see. The Holy Spirit with the Father and the Son, they created until all was done. Humans and everything in view, give Him credit where credit is due. I like that. Sent by Jesus, the Holy Spirit indwells. He will help Christians to live life well. He will guide and teach, give power and sustain. No matter what, He will always remain. The Holy Spirit helps you do God's will each day. So in the morning, make sure you pray. Just bow your head and quietly say, Dear Holy Spirit, help me today. Isn't that good? So good. Here's somebody using the gift that God has given to them. Well, we've seen in the Bible that the Holy Spirit lives within us as believers in Christ. He rescues us, challenges us, changes us, comforts and guides us. And in this last message in our series, I want us to think together for a few minutes about how the Holy Spirit uses us, how He uses us. You see, the Holy Spirit rescues us and begins His work of restoring us to the likeness of Jesus, but He doesn't stop there. He intends to use us in Jesus' mission of rescuing and restoring other people like us. So his work in us is for us, but it isn't just for us. It's also through us and for others. The Holy Spirit intends to make us people who unselfishly love others around us, and through the gifts he has given us, invite them to know and follow Jesus. Let me say that again. 
The Holy Spirit intends to make us people who unselfishly love others around us and through the gifts He has given us, invite them to know and follow Jesus. That's what He's doing in us. And as part of His work of using us in the lives of others, the Holy Spirit gives us gifts, uh, spiritual gifts, the Bible calls them. And so today we want to spend some time talking about spiritual gifts. Some of you have had some teaching about spiritual gifts. You may know a lot about spiritual gifts. You may say, wow, I'm, uh, this, this is kind of new to me. I'm interested. And, and you may be at different places on that. But we want to talk about really three things. What are spiritual gifts? Who gets them? And then why do we get them? What are they? Who gets them? And why do we get them? And we'll spend a good bit of time in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12 is the spiritual gifts chapter of the Bible. As Paul wrote his letter to this church, this church in Corinth in Greece now, uh, he spent some time answering some questions and addressing some problems in the church and this church needed some help with spiritual gifts, and so he spends time and walks through it, especially in this chapter, chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians. So let's begin reading in verse 1, and we're going to read a good bit of Scripture, so hang on. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagan, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. And therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues." All these are the work of the one and same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. So we're going to take that apart a little bit, but I wanted to get us into that passage of Scripture. So let's ask our first question. What are spiritual gifts? What are they? And you see it right here in these verses. Verse 1 says, Now about the gifts of or from the Spirit. Now these gifts are from the Holy Spirit. They have a connection with Him. There's a, there's a supernatural quality to the gifts that God gives to us. So gifts aren't just our natural talents, our natural abilities. There, there is a connection with the Holy Spirit. I want to talk more about that. But look in verses 4 to 6 now. And you see Paul using different words to describe spiritual gifts. He first says, verse 4, there are different kinds of what? Gifts. Yeah, gifts. And this is a word that comes from our word, our New Testament word for grace, the word charis. Charis. We have some children in our church. I have a niece who is named Charis. And it's just the New Testament word that means grace, God's 
kindness to us that's freely given to us through Jesus. Charis. And so gifts are freely given to us by God. And you see that in this passage that we read. It's, the, it's God who determines what gifts do we get. He distributes them according to his will. You see that here. According to his grace. And the Apostle Paul, different times in the New Testament, says things like, by the grace of God that's been given to me, I laid a foundation and other people are building on that. He said this in, in chapter 3 of this letter. And then he'll say in different places, by the grace of God, I'm the apostle to the Gentiles, but Peter was the apostle to the Jews. By the grace of God, I'm able to do this. So he's pointing to his role in the kingdom the way that God is using him to serve, he's pointing to his spiritual gifts. That's what he's doing. So this word grace, charis, or charis, and gifts, charismata, that's the word, charismata, you see the grace in there. Um, that's the word for gifts. And it's, it's this role that God has freely given, graciously given us to play in the church. And you see the emphasis of the other two words in this passage. So uh, verse 4 says gifts. Verse 5 says service. There are different kinds of service. Verse 6 says there are different kinds of working, right? Service and working. And the emphasis is on what we do. Uh, it's, the emphasis is on how we serve. It's doing something. So spiritual gifts relate to how we serve God and what we do in the body of Christ. That's what gifts are related to. Now look at verse 7. Verse 7. Here Paul calls spiritual gifts the manifestation of the Spirit. Now that's a, that's a word, manifestation, that we don't use very often, right? Manifest, infestation. Infestation is not a good thing. But this is a good thing, the manifestation. It's, it's a word that means the undeniable presence of the Holy Spirit, the manifestation, that the Holy Spirit is clearly seen or he's manifest. He's clearly seen. His life-changing power is clearly at work through our spiritual gifts. And this manifestation of the Spirit is another description that Paul uses of spiritual gifts, that the Spirit is involved. And as we use our gifts, the Holy Spirit is present He's undeniably there and at work. And his life-changing power is at work through the exercise of our spiritual gifts. It's, it's an amazing thing. So let's recap. What are spiritual gifts? Well, spiritual gifts are supernatural in some way. They're from the Holy Spirit. They're not just our talents or our natural abilities. They're from the Holy Spirit. And secondly, they relate to how we serve God and what we do for him. There's an activity about the gifts. We don't just have it and not do anything and enjoy it ourselves, but there's, a, there's an outward focus to the gifts, a serving, a doing for God that's involved. And thirdly, they demonstrate the supernatural presence and the life-changing power of the Holy Spirit. That's amazing. And Paul gives us some examples of spiritual gifts in these verses that we read. If you skim through verses 7 through 11... You find some of the gifts such as wisdom, knowledge, faith, and others. There are other passages in the New Testament that 
give examples of spiritual gifts. Romans chapter 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, all are kind of classic New Testament passages that talk about spiritual gifts in the lives of believers like us. And I encourage you to look at those. In fact, in the U version, and then in the connection notes, which you may have picked up this morning, uh, give you a chance to look at those passages of scriptures uh, specifically so you can look at the different examples of gifts, okay? Um, but here's my definition based on what the Bible teaches. So my definition of a spiritual gift is this. A spiritual gift is the unique role that God intends each believer to play in the body of Christ through the direction and power of the Holy Spirit. Right? Let me say that again. A spiritual gift is the unique role that God intends each believer to play in the body of Christ through the direction and power of the Holy Spirit. So that's what gifts are. Now let's ask a second question. Who gets them? Who gets a spiritual gift? And you can find the answer to this question too, right? In this passage, 1 Corinthians 12, the verses that we read. Look at verse 7. It says, now to who? Each one. To each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit, or to each one are given the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Verse 11 says something similar. All these are the work of the one and same Spirit, and he distributes them to who? Each one. Again, each one, just as he determines. And verse 13, chapter 12, says that we all, we all, every believer in Jesus receives these gifts, has been given the Spirit to drink and all the benefits that the Holy Spirit brings to us. See, the Holy Spirit gives gifts to everyone who belongs to Jesus Christ. Each person who is part of God's family through Jesus, and the way that Pastor Dan talked about just a few minutes ago during our time of communion, is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives within you and me, and we're given the gifts of the Holy Spirit as well, a gift to use to serve Him. And I love this. I love this. You may have been part of our uh, Sunday night spotlight a few weeks ago when Dan and I just kind of drilled down and talked about the Holy Spirit a little more. And we spent some time talking about the Old Covenant or that, that time before Jesus came and lived and died and rose again and started the church. So what was the Holy Spirit doing in that time before? kind of B.C., before Christ. What was happening there? Well, what you see in Scripture in the Old Testament is that the Holy Spirit would come upon selected people for a, sp a specific task and use them for that specific task. So just select people. Not everybody. Not all God followers. Not all believers in Jehovah God. But just select people. So you see Samson. And Samson in the Bible kind of reminds me of just like a spoiled kid in a way. He wants what he wants. If he doesn't get it, he's mad. You know, that's Samson. But the Holy Spirit selects him, comes upon him, gives him great physical strength, and uses Samson to free the people of Israel from their enemies, the Philistines. The Holy Spirit comes upon King Saul, the first king of Israel, and, and gives him wisdom and gives him strength to guide the nation to push back some of their enemies. And you see this happening. 
But it's leaders, it's selected people. It's not everybody, but just selected people in the Old Testament. Well, under the New Covenant, that changes. That changes. And it's a big point in the change from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant. I love that. So we talked about in communion that Jesus ratified the New Covenant with his blood. When he died, he said, this is the beginning of the New Covenant. God is going to do some things differently and work with us in a different way than he did under the Old Covenant. And one of those differences is the Holy Spirit indwells all of us and stays with us forever, right? Until the day of redemption, Ephesians 1 says. And the Holy Spirit gives each of us gifts. He gives each of us a role to play. Not just select people, not just leaders, not just for a specific time or a a specific task, but all of us are given a gift or more than one gift by the Holy Spirit. So let's look again at at verse 13, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. There's something here I want you to see. For we were all baptized, here we are again, all of us, every believer, not just select few, but everybody, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given one spirit to drink. Now for the Corinthians in the first century, when they first read this letter in about 51 A.D., there's talking about Jews and Gentiles, people that were like poles apart, or slave and free, people that had very, very different lifestyles, very different economic statuses. This meant a lot to the Corinthian believers. It doesn't mean as much to us today. So Paul is saying, God, inspiring Paul, is saying to us, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, it doesn't matter whether you grew up in a church or in a bar. It doesn't matter whether you fly a desk at Dow Chemical or whether you raise ducks in Deckerville. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether you know the Bible really well, you're well studied in Scripture, or whether you're still figuring out where the books are in the Bible. It doesn't matter whether you're single or married, married or remarried, whether you're a man or a woman, young or old. This Scripture is saying that God the Holy Spirit gives every believer, no matter who you are, where you're coming from, a gift, a role to play in the body of Christ for his glory. That's what he's saying. You have a gift. You have been given gifts of the Holy Spirit to serve in this body of believers called Hopeville. And men and women, our, our thinking on this needs to change. Many of us have been part of churches where we spectated rather than participated. And we listened to worship music, heard a sermon, and then we thought our role was to evaluate both of those things on the way home, right? But it's not. This is not how Jesus intended his church to function. Spiritual gifts are given to every believer, not just to pastors, or elders, or those who are really committed to serving in the body, or those who are extraordinarily talented. No, all of us have gifts. You have gifts that the Holy Spirit has given you and a role to play in this body of believers. They're given to you. 
So if we take God's word on it, that every believer in Jesus has a spiritual gift, then the question is, how do I know what my gifts are? How do I figure that out? Or I might have an idea, but how do I confirm that? How do I, how do I know what my spiritual gifts are? I'm going to give you a little groundwork first, and then just share some very practical ways to discover, to confirm your spiritual gifts. So first, a little groundwork. Think about how God has shaped your life. Think about how God has shaped your life. All of us have certain wiring. We grew up a certain way with different experiences, different, different abilities and talents, and a desire for different, different passions, a desire for different things. You see, God uses all of that in giving us a spiritual gift. I said earlier that spiritual gifts are connected to the Holy Spirit. There's a, a supernatural element to them that they're not just talents. They're not just our human abilities. But yet at the same time, I've never seen a person have a spiritual gift that wasn't connected to how God had shaped them, right? If you sing like a cat caught in a dryer, there's a good chance that you don't have the gift of music, right? And if you haven't read a book or taken a note in 25 years, you may not have the gift of teaching or pastor teaching, right? Maybe not. Maybe not. And my point is that God uses all of us. God uses who we are. Sometimes God uses our pain. Sometimes he, he, he can use our failures. God never wastes anything in giving us spiritual gifts and using us to be a blessing and encouragement to others around us, ever. Never waste that. So think about how God has shaped your life. And also, you, th you think about, can a, can a Christian have more than one spiritual gift? I think, I think very often, yes. Yeah. Uh, over the years, I've discovered as a believer that, and others have affirmed this in me, that I have gifts of leadership, of pastor teaching, and encouragement. And there's no doubt that you have gifts as well, and more than one. So God works this in your life. And so with that groundwork laid, here are a few practical ways to discover and confirm your spiritual gifts. Okay? Just a few practical things. So think about how does God tend to use you when you are with other believers? How does God tend to use you? And sometimes it's even people that we don't know, right? Have you ever traveled someplace and run into some Christians? You just, you just meet them. Maybe you're wherever you might be. You meet some believers and you start talking. You have like this instant bond because you're both Christians. And you start to talk. How does God use you in that conversation? You tend to, you tend to listen pretty well and encourage them. Wow. You know, God's working. Oh, that's, that's really neat. That's, that's awesome. And you're encouraging them. It could be an indication of a gift of encouragement that God has given you. But what if you're having some conversation, you're listening to them talk, you're getting to know them a little bit, and it's just, it, you know, you're, it's kind of stirring within you, and you want to say, wow, you know, I, th I think you need to do this in that situation. You don't even know them that well. Well, you interrupt them maybe a little bit and say, I think you need to do this. That could be a gift of exhortation, right? Could be. 
Or you want to, you just, you just feel the need to share something that God showed you in Scripture not too long ago. You know, the Bible says this, or we were talking about this in our church, in our sermon series, and oh, I just want to share that with you. And you know, that's, that's some signs of gifts of teaching, of pastor teaching. Yeah. So how does God use you when you are with other Christians, other believers? Second, what area of serving are you drawn to? What area of serving are you drawn to? See, one of the points of spiritual gifts is that we don't have to do everything. We don't have to say yes to everything. We don't have to like doing some things, otherwise we're not spiritual. I'll tell you what. My hat goes off to Jody Quinn and others who work in our children's ministries. Because I love to teach but I would much rather speak on a Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon like this than I would get in front of eight to ten kids and try to tell a story. I, that scares me spitless. And I've, I've done it enough over the years to know I am not very good at it. I have to work really hard, and I try, and I love kids, but I really have a hard time communicating something to kids. It's just not my wiring. It's just it's not where I'm at. So that could be your situation. Some, some areas you're, you're really drawn to serving in an area, but not so much in another area. And that's okay. That's the point of spiritual gifts in the body. Another thing about that is gifts don't come fully formed. The Holy Spirit doesn't give them to you and zap. You have all the knowledge you need. You have all the skill you need. Oh, boy, you feel great about it. You never feel butterflies when you go... That's not how spiritual gifts work. It's not. So some of you may have tried something that you really had a desire for, but maybe it didn't work out so well, right? And people look at you like, really? Maybe you tried teaching, and when I first started, it was bad. When I first started teaching, and it was bad. Bad. I'm saying bad. But God, God gives us gifts but we have to develop them, right? We have to develop them. So some of us, we have a desire for something. Maybe it didn't work out so well when we tried it, but we need to push through a little bit and develop that gift. That's important. So what area of serving are you drawn to? Thirdly, what do other believers affirm in you? You ever had somebody say, wow, you are really good at that? Or you are really a blessing to me. And maybe whatever you did, think about that. And what you hear other Christians affirming in you could be a good indication of your spiritual gifts. And that's one of the reasons as pastors, as elders of Hope Vale, we love that so many of you are involved in community groups because what we see happening is, is that God has is, God is given you opportunities to use your spiritual gifts in that smaller setting and be encouraged and affirmed and develop your gifts. And then there are different times that God, God will give you an opportunity to serve in a larger way in the church because that gift is developing more and more. Very, very cool. We love that that's happening at Hopeville. So let other people affirm you. Now here's another question. What needs in our church family bother you? What bothers you? You know, as you see things 
in this church family, and maybe you repeat it to your spouse, maybe you repeat it to a friend, and they say, are you, are you talking about that again? Because there's just a need, no matter what it might be, encouraging or caring for some of our shut-ins at Hopevale or another need in our body, and it bothers you, and you're, you're thinking, now why don't the pastors realize this? Or why aren't some people doing something? Why aren't the elders involved in doing something? You know why? That could be a good indication that God has gifted you to be part of the solution, right? He wants you to step in and be part of meeting that need in our church family. That's how God works. That's what he does. And then there's a, there's a place for gift assessments. Some of you have run across some of these, and you'll see some on the screen. I also give some on the version notes and in connections for this week. But I'm going to point out the first one that's on the slide behind me, the, the mintools.com. That is a really, really good website about spiritual gifts. They look at a lot of scriptures, lay out the gifts, and then give some definitions of the gifts. It's really a very helpful website. I'd highly recommend it. Mintools.com. And then just gifts or spiritual gifts, you can get to that information. So let's ask one last question about spiritual gifts. Why do we get them? Why do we get spiritual gifts? You ever think about that? Well, 1 Corinthians 12 says that we exalt Jesus as Lord through our gifts, right? We get to shine the spotlight on Jesus through using our gifts, uh, 1 Corinthians 12 also says that the Holy Spirit uses us to care for each person in the body of Christ through our gifts. Sometimes people need encouragement, but sometimes they need exhortation. Sometimes there's a little kick in the seat of the pants, right, of keep walking, keep moving on in your life. And God uses each of us and different ones of us in different ways in the lives of others in this church family. That's the spiritual gifts being, being played out, being used in this family of believers. It's a way that we care for. It's a way that we build up others. In chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, this is part of that teaching, that section on spiritual gifts that, that uh, Paul writes in this letter to the Corinthian church. He uses the word again and again. It's the word edify or build up. It's translated there, build up. And it's just, the, it's just the word that means to encourage, to help others grow, to help them to keep on following Jesus and not to get discouraged and fall away, not, not be tempted by sin and be pulled away by things. Build up. And he says, chapter 14, verse 26, everything in the church ought to be done to build others up. Everything. So all of our gifts are intended to build others up. That's why the Holy Spirit gave them to us. And finally, we've looked a good bit at chapter 12, which I said is the spiritual gifts chapter of the Bible. We, we know there's some verses in chapter 14 about spiritual gifts. So that leaves one chapter kind of right in the middle of those two, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is known as what? The, it's the love chapter of the Bible, Right? 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is a chapter about spiritual gifts. It's part of that teaching that Paul did with the Corinthian church on spiritual gifts. And it's there that he says, 
You know, I could have the greatest of gifts, but if I don't love, it doesn't amount to a hill of beans. I could, I could be able to prophesy. I could have faith to move mountains. But if I don't love others, it's worthless. It's worthless. And you know what God is saying to us there? That our love for other people, our heart to serve others is more important than what gift we have. It's more important than how we get to use our gift in the church. Do we genuinely love others? Do we genuinely have a heart to serve? Even when it goes unnoticed, even when we don't get pats on the back at times, do we have a heart to serve? And that's why the gifts are spiritual. That's why the gifts are connected to the Holy Spirit. You see, we all have talents. We all have human abilities, whether it's craftsmanship or music or art or organization or teaching, encouraging, whatever they might be. But without the work of the Holy Spirit in our heart to humble us, to help us to genuinely love others with no strings attached, be willing to serve others even when we don't get out of it quite what we would like to get out of it, that is the work of the Holy Spirit. It takes the Holy Spirit's strength. It takes the Holy Spirit's encouragement to use our gifts to serve others in the body of Christ, doesn't it? So you have a spiritual gift. You and I have a unique role to play in this body of believers under the direction and in the power of the Holy Spirit. So our prayer needs to be, Lord, use me. Use me. The Holy Spirit helps you do God's will each day. So in the morning, make sure you pray. Just bow your head and quietly say, Dear Holy Spirit, use me today. Use me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this series and all that we've been able to learn about, Holy Spirit, who you are and your work in our lives. You really are amazing. And we thank you for all that we've learned and how you've encouraged us and helped us already through this series. And thank you that you give each of us gifts, just ways that you use us to encourage, to build up, to love others with the love of Jesus in the body of Christ. And Lord, that that affects our community. It affects people who need to know you and need to see that our life with you is real, that your spirit is, is present and undeniable, that his power is life-changing for others as it is for us. And so, Lord, we just thank you uh, for the work of your Holy Spirit, for the gifts of your Holy Spirit in our lives. Amen. Amen. Galatians 5.13 says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. And as um, Pastor Ken talked about using your gifts, I'm going to give you a little example of what it looks like to feel a little nudge from the <laughs> Holy Spirit and use your gifts. 
And this song that we're going to do was inspired by this sermon series. The first um, week of this sermon series, I was like, man, there's a, a really good worship song. And that whole um, theme of the Holy Spirit being the seal on us and the king um, stamping his mark on a letter and sending it out with a purpose. And then later in the week, I um, was talked to about my worth and how um, our worth is not in what we are, but who owns us. And so God made this song uh, through me. So I have this idea, and I hold it out in my hand like this, and then give my gifts to God and let him do what he wants to do with it. And that's what we are encouraging all of you to do. Just offer up what you have because he's going to make it grand. Will you stand with us, please?
<laughs> uh, thank you, worship team. Well, if that doesn't get your heart pumping, you need to check your pulse, right? It's, yeah, well, this has been a great series on the Holy Spirit. I hope you've been blessed by it. I hope you've grown through it. But really, this is a refreshing time for us in uh, keeping in step with the Holy Spirit, being used by Him in the lives of other believers and the lives of people in our community. And so let's go from here. We belong to God, being led by the Holy Spirit to be part of His mission. God bless you.